My name is Jeffrey Wittenhagen, and I'm a published author-slash-writer. Video games, both old and new, are my passion. I recently had a successful Kickstarter for my NES collector's book called The Complete NES, and I'm currently doing a massive overhaul of my original book called Hidden Gaming Gems, uh, creating a new NES game to go with it. I also have tons of projects in the works. My blog is at hagensalley.wordpress.com, and I'm on a lot of forums as a Subcon 3. And we've got guys. Hey, I'm big into uh, no death runs, high score runs, uh, collector of all things vintage and retro. Uh, pretty much anything video game related. Also collect figures, vinyl, VHS, tap handles, old beer signs, and old beer steins. And we've got Daria. Daria here, and I'm a collector and enthusiast of all things role playing. I also run a burgeoning YouTube channel which covers retro game review and indie game coverage. You'd find that at youtube.com slash Daria Plays T-O-O. Please call our number, leave a voicemail or a text message at 262-264-VGBS. Alright, we're off to the races then. The wacky races. Alright, so um... One of the interesting aspects with the with the podcast is that we've had an email and a voicemail that we you know generally put at the beginning and the end of every episode, and we never really promoted it. Like I've now modified all the pages so that way they're obvious. <laughs> um, I actually think I want to put the voicemail in the title now of the episodes too. Like just put like a, a hyphen and put you know two six two two six four VGBS in there so people know to get in contact with us but through all that insanity we do have some hardcore listeners that actually have gotten a hold of us on the vgbs podcast at gmail.com very interesting anybody since the last episode we put out yes <laughs> oh okay two so i have some relevance to this um you right. do because one of them came out before you started and then he responded again because i asked him some questions so, um, okay. this first one comes from a guy named Matt. Hello, Matt. And he is a member of Nintendo Age as well, but he oh. d- hasn't posted in a while. He doesn't post. Um, but he said, I just want to let you guys know um, that I really enjoy your podcast. I started at episode one about a month ago and have two left to be caught up. And this was the beginning of the month. Oh, you're in for a surprise, Matt. Uh, I haven't been commenting and participating in threads as much recently, but I hope to get back into the community in the near future. And then he tells um, basically his entire collector's story, which is like of pages and pages and pages of, of an email. Does he give his uh, screen name or is it just he's just Matt? H-O-S-K-A-T is his username on Nintendo Ace. He's been a member since 2011. Okay, I'll have to look that up, see if I know him. Yeah. He is over 700 NES games. He's close. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. There's a story, Darius, so you do know this guy. Um, pretty interesting, actually. So you'll, you'll like this, where the story goes. Thick plotins. Oh, okay. He, he's in with a close group of retro gamers, and they get together and talk shop all the time. Um, and basically, it's pretty cool. They have like their own little like group, and he t- talks about his group and everything. It's really cool. Um. Just like us, he's been doing a lot of crazy stuff, had web pages and hosted gaming tournaments and done some cool stuff like hosted blogs and things like that. Um, But basically, he said he appreciates everything that we do and looks forward to each new episode of the podcast. I'm also looking forward to my NES book and game, and he missed out on the Kickstarter, hopes to pick on up when it's released. So once he's completely caught on the podcast, he also hopes to participate in the bullshit homework and plays the games at the same time that we do. So there we go. Fucking awesome. And you're welcome to check out the streams, Matt. 
Yes, sir. When somebody emails us, I do ask them a few things. You know, I responded and said thanks for the email and everything, and we'll read it on the air. But basically, what's going to be really cool is I asked him, well, what's your favorite episode? Because that's one thing that I always like that very interesting is because you never know what somebody's favorite episodes were. Yeah. And I just say, you know, I do have, you know, some extra copies of my book available. I gave him the website and all that. So in case he's listening on like iTunes or something, because then he might not be listening on HagensAlley.wordpress.com. Yeah. Right. Got a lot of those. He got back to me a couple days ago, a Monday. Um, so a few days before we record this, and he said, uh, thanks getting back to me. And I haven't read this yet. So this is on air live reading. Um, I do know that you're mentioned though in there. Uh, said, thanks for getting back to me. It is hard to pick a favorite episode. I loved listening to the Walter day episode and the most recent episode. <laughs> I was listening to Dara tell her story of never playing Contra and I went to Nintendo Age and found out I was the one who sold her Contra. Oh, wow. <laughs> small world. Small world. <laughs> you wrote small world. That is a small world. Wow. Because he didn't just sell me Contra. I also got uh, um, Gremlins 2 and Ninja Turtles 1 from him. Nice. Gremlins 2 is the shit. <laughs> yes, it is. That's a game I've been wanting for a very long time because um, it uses the Blaster Master engine. You guys want to do that for homework soon? Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. Hell yeah. I think we got our next I one. I think we got our next homework right here. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, yes. Matt. <laughs> you better be playing this shit with us now, Matt. Damn it. <laughs> oh, I can't. I took his cartridge. Ah, yeah. Oh. Yes, you did. <laughs> no, I'm sure he has plenty more with 700 games. That's I'm sure Kremlin 2 is in there. <laughs> okay, so he says, um, continues on with his email and says, my favorite segment is when you guys talk about homework games. Um, I'm currently playing an English translated Splatterhouse on the NES. Uh, I, I had forgotten Ooh. how good a game it was until hearing you guys talk about it. Yes. So, freaking awesome. Uh, he also said that he's tried to play Goonies 2 and Predator, but just can't get into either of them. Um, I don't Aww. blame him, uh, but we didn't play Goonies 2. We played the Famicom Goonies 1, so play that one. I love one. Goonies 2. Yeah, play the original. Uh, Goonies 2, It's if you know where to go, it's cool, but it's you got to explore it's crypt- more it's like Simon's Quest. I grew up with Goonies 2. I used to, so I used to I, run it. I probably have a skewed opinion of it, but I, I love that game. The controls are really good because <laughs> it is Konami, so it's programmed but well. I love adventure games, so yeah. I think the fact that it was cryptic... Mm-hmm. was what really uh, appealed to me. And that's what I had talked about a long time ago, though, with Simon's Quest. Like, mm-hmm. I actually like that you could go left or right or anywhere instead of just, you know, like Mario, you can only go in one direction. So it opened up. So back in the day, that was, like, mind-blowing for a kid, you know. Plus, you can beat an old lady senseless with a hammer. <laughs> I mean, how can you not love a game where you can just smack an old lady around with a hammer? Yeah, I think if you hit... <laughs> If you hit Konami Man, he doesn't like help you anymore. No, he gets pissed off. Yeah, <laughs> Konami Man. The old, yeah. the old lady's just like, "Ouch! What do you do?" <laughs> what was that voice again? Go ahead and do it. They gotta have the accent in the game to make it like perfect. <laughs> need that. Oh yeah, she's just this little old lady. Ouch! What do you do? <laughs> Ouch! What do you do? Ah. <laughs> oh. Uh, have you listened to any of my uh, the the let's plays where I'm reading? No, <laughs> no. I, I do not. voices. I, I'm not doing voices uh, live on the podcast uh, podcast much, but I do. The, they're all voiced. Nice. With, like goofy accents and shit. So that's awesome. <laughs> some are much better than others. Sounds like we some need to terrible. do some kind of like Christmas play or something. I've been listening to you. It's like God. I need to. I need to just get uh, Kyle to do some voices for me. Oh yeah. You can. Because I used to do voices, um, like, all the time in sounds and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I used to be into, like, all the, the, like, the people who would go on stage and do, like, the one-man, like, voice machine stuff. Yeah, it was always, like, just cool as fuck. I always wanted to do that, like, for cartoons. Mm-hmm. Like a Robin Williams kind of thing. That'd be an we amazing job. That'd be crazy. That'd be, like, <laughs> a great job ever. Uh, yeah, we, we definitely need to do some kind of crazy skit then, eventually. <laughs> Yeah, Christmas. The Christmas like you were skit. <laughs> Make it ridiculous to the point where we probably can't air it because it'll be 
<laughs> It'd be ridiculousness. <laughs> um, so Matt finishes up his email with simply, um, I plan on ordering a copy of your book, but it'll probably be after Christmas. Uh, he has a trip going to Alaska and for this holiday. So right now is he's on a budget. It's pretty tight though. I'm not going to reply to him. So that way he'll know that we talked about it on the episode. That way, <laughs> that way I won't reply to his email with an email. We replied to redundant. it on the air. Exactly. It's much more rewarding to hear the one-on-one. Well, okay, it's not really one-on-one, but the voiced reply. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a good one. The other email, I haven't read it till right now. It's our first targeted seller troll email. Hell yeah. It's so good. I gotta read it so we can rip it apart. Here we go. Yes. Hi, my name's Chris. I just wanted to contact you after seeing your video on YouTube today. And this was three days ago. Um, So that would have been Xerion, possibly. Which, yeah, my Xerion single credit review. Single credit, yeah. This is a promotional ad involving your video getting a whole lot of popularity. First off, you have a lot of potential. And if you look at anyone who's successful at doing what you're doing now, you'll see what they they all have one thing in common. They're all popular and have a huge following on the web. Your pure skill and talent alone won't cut it anymore. My pure pure skill and talent will not (laughs) cut it. Without his, apparently without Chris Sunday, I won't be able to make any money online because that's money is definitely where everybody is rooted in right (laughs) um if you don't have a strong online presence how's anyone going to see your work well how about we collaborate with game sturdy one's channel there chris that we already did and i go to conventions chris (laughs) and i sell a book on kickstarter chris (laughs) is that your real name chris is that your real name chris I've helped numerous unsolved talents build their fans and exposure, and I would be happy to help you with your success as well. My team and I can start your view count up starting this week, thousands in quotation marks, so I can get thousands of view counts. Oh, boy. Gee willikers, Chris, that sounds awesome. (laughs) (laughs) We have a promotion that you can afford right now. Um, Hey, Chris, if you're listening to this, I can afford free for this bullshit. (laughs) <laughs> and it will get your view count to be over 10,000 plus within a few days. Real people watching your video. This is the power of the web. <laughs> the web. The web. The world people. wide web. The What's, what the hell does he want for? Job he, or... he, his last job is at AOL. Um, Click here to watch <laughs> our video and learn more. To your success, comma, Chris Sante. Yeah. Um. Y- you know how these targeted ads work? They promote it. And they probably just pay like the Facebook targeted things and pay the Google targeted ads, and we get mm-hmm. your success up. Uh, the irony is, is I've known people that have went to Kickstarter, hired a company, a bullshit company like this, and it's garnered no success for them. The bullshit podcast claims no affiliation with bullshit companies. Mm-mm. Disclaimer: We're calling <laughs> bullshit. On the what group. does he want though? Like you have to like pay him money or what? Well, here's the irony. First of all, Kyle is. Number one, there's no company name. It's just Chris Sante. This is Chris Sante. Oh, I'm sorry. I should know who Chris Sante is. This is Chris. So Chris's (laughs) company, Chris, Chris, uh, wants us to give him money to the Chris so that way he can promote us. Because apparently, uh, you know, being able to edit YouTube uh, videos and post to my own blog, I'm not uh, savvy enough on how marketing works to be able to promote my own items. And we're all greedy enough to where we must have thousands of views. Like, uh, I mean, in all honesty, though, how, how Kyle and I see it is that if we continue to put out, you know, quality stuff that we have been, people will find it and we'll have a good listener base. And Oh, yeah, definitely. And so I would rather have quality listeners than, you know, get some really fast 10,000. You know what? There, there's a way to put yourself out there that appeals to people and valuable listeners will tune in exactly if they connect with your with your work that's not to say i mean you can't just wait and sit back for people to come to you because they're not going to yeah they don't know who the fuck you are no 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 no, no, no. you don't go to chris this is this is definitely what you know random chris guy and his team 
Yeah. And he's not getting you thousands of valuable listeners. He's probably getting you, like, thousands of bots. No, he's getting us targeted Google or, you know, buying Facebook social media ad space views. Yeah, the people that are going to click, look at it, and click away. Exactly. Like, I don't want to watch this shit. So they're empty views. Exactly, and I'm not necessarily looking into bot views um and i mean it's not like like we have the google spiders yeah pretty much we're being hosted on you know or being you know a partnership with game strategy one's channel and that's you know simply because you know i knew him through my project and you know i've talked to him before not because of i'm paying some random company to get me distributed on websites or no. Even that. I mean, who's who's to say that he doesn't just have a script that gets me hits, an automatic bite script? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he just wants your money. That, that's what it is. They're all money pit scams, and that's pretty cool that we got a money pit scam email. Though I like that. <laughs> I've got. I, I I got one of those. There was an empty form. Like, you're doing such a great job on your channel. Keep it up. Give us money. It's great to uh, read though on the podcast live because it's you tell. And the thing is, is that if we get, um, you know, voicemails and things, which we never really, unless somebody caught it at the beginning or end of an episode, like, there's no way that a normal person is going to remember 262264 VGBS. It's easy to remember, but if you just hear it, like, you would have to be hardcore listening. Oh, shit, and write it down. Um, What was that number again? (laughs) 262264 Chris Dante. (laughs) 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 jesus Uh, or jesus (laughs) don't don't call jesus don't call jesus no jesus (laughs) his line's busy exactly his line's always busy (laughs) (laughs) Uh, should be one of those podcasts i like it Um, the thing is, though, is that, like, if we put it, like, in the title of the episodes, too, like, I was just thinking about that, because I saw another podcast that did that. You know, I'm going to have to start just putting it on the thumbnails of our videos. <laughs> now I want to find games, like, we play, like, games that have phone numbers in them. I want to, like, Photoshop our number to be the phone number. Absolutely. For, like, the hint dial or... And you got to put the dashes Like, we play Deja Vu. I want to put yeah, dashes in weird spots, like 26-226-4VGBS. Like, all whacked like out, random. yeah. random... That sounds like a social security two, number. Six, two, two, yeah. six, four, BGBS. Yeah, and, and basically, like, when you choose a, a number, because it's just a Google pick a number, like, free number or whatever, um, I can put in, like, whatever verbiage, and that was, like, one of the most memorable ones that I could see on there, because I can remember that. <laughs> like, and so it kind of rolls off your tongue, so it works. But I figured, though, we had our first episode posted to Gamester's channel, which was of the lovely Dario's editing skills going viral now. It's be great. Viral, yeah, with our 48 views. Hell yeah, 48. <laughs> and however many you've got on your channel. Uh, about the same. Um, <laughs> or maybe less. Uh, but the thing is, though, is that, um, I mean, how we're going to do this whole... A collaborations aspect is that we're going to, you know, give her a two to three month trial run and, you know, it'll be how much we upload to the site or not. Because right now we're going to go, you know, crazy and bring consistency. You mean Gamester? Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is you got to realize is that my original channel, I have a hundred and, you know, 10-ish subscribers and I've had a channel for eight years. I've uploaded like two to three videos a year (laughs) so there's no like like i have some classic videos on here that actually i was watching the other day when i had really shitty cameras but i did intros so i'm gonna do like an intro amalgam eventually and be like some hilariousness because i i use some pretty crazy intro videos to be very funny because i did like some different series and things well a couple of them are actually done very very well it's just i didn't have good capabilities back then or it sounds like discipline if you're only releasing two to three videos a year. Well, it was the the main thing, and it actually goes to uh, one of the emails I sent out today, was I actually got a decent 
capture device. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I I went the I'm gonna go as cheap as possible route, went on eBay, bought some cheap video capture HDMI capture thing, and basically you plug in a thumb drive into it, plug in an HDMI cable, and press a button and it records anything that's plugged into it. So that's what I've been using. Um How much did you pay for that? Twenty bucks. Jesus. I mean, and the thing was, is I didn't want to have to use a computer to do it because if I'm doing stuff like video editing or whatever else, Mm -hmm. it's taxing on the computer and I don't want like some latent interference with my capture card. Um, I want like consistency. No, you definitely want a standalone device. So if I find something that works well, which I did, it's consistently going to be like that all the time. It's going to be the same. And then... I was like, well, it's only HDMI, so I was like, well, maybe I'll get out trying to bust out the Retron 5 or something for retro consoles, because that's HDMI native. And then I Googled, um, what was it like, whatever AV cables are called, to HDMI. And they had a like $10 converter upscaler. And, you know, old Kevin paid like hundreds of dollars for an upscaler trying to convince kyle to jump on the upscaler bandwagon and all that oh shit. yeah i remember that i was like hell the fuck no. i found one for 10 bucks no lag works Jesus. fucking perfect it's not insane this is did. incredibly relevant to me since i have i have a capture device but it's for my uh 2007 macbook so it's old yeah really old and it only does avi yeah and i'm thinking a lot of people listening it's probably relevant to them too so we yeah because i use like this. a magic something or other that i got from a black friday deal from about 2007 and i've used capture devices before that to get my old capture on that website but there was always issues with like spontaneity of audio or you know random blurps in there because my computer was doing something and I'm pretty sure mine, my, I've never had a problem with mine. I think it, I don't think it's doing any processing on the computer side. I think it's just feeding in the yeah. the video. I had a really nice one that was like portable almost one. And then I did something and broke it somehow. <laughs> like it was like it, you pressed a button on the machine. It recorded to the internal memory on that little device but I, somehow I erased it or whatever, and I was only able to use it, like, once. So that would have been my breaking right. point. But I just got that when I started the One Life Life videos, you know, about a month ago. So that's been my, now I can start doing videos. And, like, Kyle and I yeah. have been editors forever. Like, I have a, you know, a minor in mass communications. Like, I've <laughs> like I, I know how to do all the editing. I just never had the capabilities because I don't want to spend thousands of dollars. And and here I am just winging it. Yeah, winging it works. I have no, no training in. <laughs> well, that's the irony. Everything I do is new. All that training that I got a long time ago is you learn by doing on youtube now it's not hard yeah um the only thing is though is i can do like raw audio editing and analog if i had to <laughs> like i could do yeah i can't I do can... anything like audio is complete foreign well, well kyle me. is I the master i can't even audio. grasp it kyle's the master of audio like i'm good at audio kyle is like master that's why our podcast sounds so fucking good yes uh, i've done like bands like mm-hmm. yeah actual like albums and stuff exactly yeah, I had one of my subscribers has, he's only done one video so far, cleaned up the audio for, but he's just like, you know, I, I, music production for a living, I'm at home now, I'm taking care of my kid, I'm bored, send me your audio files. So that was a nice collaboration I had going, we'll have going. Mm-hmm. Cool. I've just only utilized him once. Well, well, really generally for your recordings, all you're going to need to do is do a little bit of noise removal and um, <clears throat> adjustments of the audio. And, yeah. and that's it. You can do the, the auto audacity ones. You can do a noise profile where you just take the, the dead space. They don't sound right when I do the auto ones. And, and then Kyle has like 20 other steps that he knows how to do. <laughs> because Kyle's yeah. the master of all that. But yeah, the, so so back to the capture device portion though. Um, so essentially, plugged in, I have an HDMI cable that goes into my recorder box, and then I have an HDMI cable that goes out. And I actually put a splitter, a four HDMI splitter, just because I think that those programs probably shouldn't be um, 
it probably shouldn't be unplugged and plugged in a bunch of times. I don't know. I, I don't really want to mess with HDMI cables. <laughs> um, but anyways, like one of them goes to my AV. So I did some recording uh, yesterday of some Dreamcast and some PC Engine and things like that. And it all nice. worked pretty well. The quality looks good and good enough for me. It's probably, and that's probably where your hundreds of dollars you know, of upscaler, like those range, that's where you're going to notice it is probably some minute details. But the HDMI ones look great. It might be just that little upscaler thing that I got that might be a little bit off. But I think it would just take a keen eye. And I think YouTube downgrades it to, to you know, a little bit anyways. So I bet it's not too noticeable. I mean, I didn't notice anything in my arcade one. So I mean, the thing is, if you watch the, like, Mike and James Mondays or whatever, mm-hmm. they use like coaxial still. Mm-hmm. And if if you look at the reds, because reds have a tendency to bleed really bad. It's just the thing about reds, the color red. And if you look at the reds, look like insanely like bad in comparison to, let's say you know something like crystal clear. But the thing is, like, they prefer that old style they i think they they even mentioned like we're actually going to keep it like this because that's just how they like to do it so i guess it's so it's more grainy their videos Mm -hmm. um and people like theirs a lot more than you know some other guy who's (laughs) perfect quality so he has an established fan base that they'll watch it because it's james i would say really the the quality isn't an issue at all what brings them to the channel but I think something like GameSack has really good quality, and mm-hmm. that's something that's great about that. So, you know, it's definitely a strength when it comes to, like, them as an example. Yeah. background with gaming and all that like i am known for you know being diverse and completely ingrained in the homebrew community i'm ingrained in the arcade community so i have a pretty unique and specialized knowledge base and so like reviewing some of the random dreamcast homebrews that i have that really haven't been touched upon i haven't seen a review for fruits why yet and i recorded one of those yesterday so stuff like that, like it just like nobody's done it. It should be out there, and so people know about that stuff. Yeah. And personally, I, w- I would try to get the best quality that I could if I ever made a video like that with within cost range, of course. Well, and, and the thing is, is that this stuff was so cheap for me. I think I spent maybe forty dollars for all three pieces, and you know you have to wait for it to ship because it's coming from overseas. But the thing is, is that. Like, if something does come out where everything upgrades, there's some process where now what, I, what I'm using is irrelevant because that's how technology goes, I yep. can easily upgrade <laughs> again because I'm only 40 bucks in. I'm not even a full Yeah, it's game. like disposable at that price point. Exactly. Right. So, And it was worth me experimenting with it at least at that price range because I was like, man, if this works, I have a means to actually do videos again. And I, my computer that I have is the Alienware Alpha um, that I got early on in the podcast. And that thing, I got it refurbished, is a beast for my capabilities. I'm used to having a garbage 10-year-old computer, laptop, something that doesn't even barely work. And this thing handles everything like a champ. I got the higher-level i7 processor, all that stuff. And I've heard people dog on... You know, Alienware Alpha saying, oh, they're just, you're just paying extra money for something that you could, you know, you could buy a cheaper one and make it yourself. 
well, I got it refurbished, so I didn't have to make it myself. <laughs> I don't think I'd want to make it myself personally. I mean, I'm just one of those people that I'd rather get one that's like put together and just get online. Yeah. I mean, the Alien Alpha is a, is a nice piece to the puzzle because it's small, it's portable, and it's HDMI. So technically, if we start doing some Brutal Doom or something online, I could record it for the YouTube channel straight from that. Cool, because we need to get more... There needs to be more, like, Brutal Doom videos online, I think. Yeah, I mean, we need to definitely get some footage anyways because the only Brutal Doom videos that I see consistently are from the actual creator and sergeant it, mark Ford, yeah, yeah sergeant mark and it would be it would be cool to get some especially if we decide to upload you know some episode 14 podcast or something later yeah yeah it'd be cool to see <laughs> videos with like good gameplay though like experience shit that's you know well yeah and that's it and that's the, the irony key. is though is you'll see my side of things so you won't see the experienced gameplay you'll see me running around like a chicken with his head cut off <laughs> You're pretty good last time I... I was... Yeah, you don't get experienced gameplay with any of my videos. <laughs> so so just to um to, to keep in mind, though, I was, <laughs> I was writing down the breakouts. Um, uh-huh. Episode 30 had four extra breakouts from our main homework. We got so off track in episode 14, the Brutal Doom episode, that it wasn't until 125 minutes in that we even talk about Doom. <laughs> Jesus. We talked about Mick Foley, then Patreon, then the Kickstarter game, Banjo Kazooie game, the Nintendo World Championship, the games that we like, platformers on the N64, RPGs, Neo Geo, GameCube, Mario Kart Wii, Retro VGS, Game Freak Console, Game Center CX Super Mario Maker episode, Playtesters, Multi Carts, the Neo Geo Omega System, Indiana, Game Store Stories, YouTuber Spiking Prices. Boxes, Adam's family on the Turbo Graphic 16, and then we started talking about Doom. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. That's what's cool because if there's an episode with a game that like you don't like, or something like that, or you never played or you don't know about or maybe you're not even interested in, there's probably still going to be something in that episode that's going to be pretty cool to you because yeah. we get also off track that it's like it's not yeah. just that game. And here's it's the thing: is so we're much always going to do that. Taking the video. The videos out shows people like, hey, we talk about other stuff. Yes. The little trailers. Yeah, which is amazingly great idea. I mean, because we started doing that a little bit, and all I did was I put a picture, and like, say we talked about Castlevania story, I put a picture of Castlevania, and I uploaded it to YouTube. And that took me yeah. one minute instead of seven hours. However, well, it is it is much more efficient. It's, it's not even doesn't even hold a candle to the you know, episode thirty breakout. It, it's not a terrible practice though, because I I feel like most people who are who are listening are going to listen. They they they're not necessarily going to watch. They're going to open up yeah. other browser windows and do other things while we talk in the background. So my 7 hours of work might be completely irrelevant to 90% of the viewers. I think it'll I, don't know. I think it'll be 90% irrelevant to the listeners, but I think it's a great way to uh, spread the VGBS message. People who are already listening, yeah, it's irrelevant, but to to newcomers it's definitely attractive kind of hook. And that's the hardest thing is that generally we're not going to get a big fan base until we've been around for a while because podcasts generally are around a month and then they go away because people lose interest after they record. They get all their information out of their heads. They can't talk anymore. We definitely don't have an issue with that, but they can't talk anymore and then they're done. We were recording every week and getting three episodes a week, and we slowly scaled back just because we've had more content than we can edit. Well, I looked at the page, I saw all the content, I'm like, oh, this guy's been at it for a while. Our goal is to have a nice weekly podcast that people can listen to, get vested in. When we had life catch up to us, all we had, we, we had a few weeks where we couldn't, like even a month, I think, where we couldn't upload or record. And we had some side quests go in there. So, I mean, it is what it is. And we play everything by ear because in the end, this is our passion. This is what we do. Yeah. So we'll, we'll keep on trucking. And we have plenty. I mean, I think from the, our last recording, we have a, a bonus, don't we, Kyle? We have a side quest. 
The last one was like two and a half hours. So, so we definitely because <laughs> we want to keep long these. Time, we want to so. keep these episodes around an hour. Yeah, it's a good duration for attention span. Uh, yeah, I mean. well, it's just like with the the YouTube videos, you want your weekly content to be about five, or you want like five. five you minutes. want five minutes <laughs> if you post more than once a week. If you post once a week, you want no more than ten minutes. Is what the is what the YouTubers say. Yeah, and that varies. It de- it really depends on the type of content you're putting it out. It definitely does. If you're doing like a an actual production based episode, yeah. I think it can go longer. And then with ours, it's a podcast, so that you're uploading. Yeah. So I mean that, and what took me because it's what took me seven hours was because the 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 episode that I did was 17 minutes. Yes. I mean, that's a that's a lot of Videos. footage to cover for sure for a YouTube. Yeah, and, video. and you made it every thing we said relevant on the screen which was awesome yeah i i cut out very little i i cut out a little audio but it wasn't much there there was one part where there's like like you're like i think this game was japan only and then there's kind of silence you're like i'll look that up but you never did it's like here i'll just show a japanese cover there you go obviously this didn't come out in the u.s that's not a u.s game that was perfect that you did that it it like makes it all like click because you like put it you give it like life in a different way. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, actually. But see, here's my point. You that means that you had to think about what should go there. Then you have to find the footage of mm-hmm. what should go there. Then you had to mm-hmm. get the footage or download it. Then you had to cut it. Then you had to splice. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's where crazy. like I totally see like all the work that you put into that. <laughs> well, you know how to do it. Anyone else watching just sees, you know, it's like, oh, okay, it's a video. That's yeah. But okay. once you, you know the behind the scenes, you can appreciate what goes into it. That's what's kind of crazy, like, when people just denounce something, you know, like trolls and stuff. And it's like, geez, don't yeah. you know this person, like, oh, my God, how long they worked on that? Yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> never sit back and say someone's content is crap unless no. they obviously put no effort into it. Yeah, exactly. But, mm-hmm. I mean, even if it's not your brand of humor... Yeah, that's just you know, it's, you, it's, you know? They, they still work their ass off to do it. Exactly. And in the end, like, anybody who's popular, too, on YouTube, yeah. they put forth way more time into that than any non-popular person, because they had to keep that quality going. Not to mention, and because you're doing it so often, you can't be A-game 100% of the time. There are going to be True. weeks that you don't feel like doing it, or you're having just a bad day, and you have to do it anyway. <laughs> so you keep it going. At that point, it's like, well, do I release nothing, and then people get pissed off, or do I release subpar content, but just move on to the next thing? Yeah, it's like lose-lose, almost. Yeah. And even, like, I have a background in art, and sometimes you get to that point in a painting or a drawing where it's like, this is as far as it can go. This is as far as I can take it. I need to finish it and move on. Oh, I definitely get writer's block for sure. Yeah. It's it's why it, why it took me two years to do my book is because things would happen and it would just like, get pushed further and further to the right. And mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's why the complete NES took me a couple years. And I would, I could have essentially probably released it a year earlier on Kickstarter if I would have, <laughs> You know, if I would actually been, you, you know, hear that, Mike Kennedy. Sometimes you should just take longer and finish the product. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and that gets edited. <laughs> no, we can leave that in there. If you want. No, because I, I there, there's, there's a legitimate thing I was thinking about the retro VGS after they completely took her down. If they relaunch, they just simply need to not shoot for the moon. They need another spokesperson. Yeah, he's too confusing and stuff. They, no, they seriously wanted worldwide, countrywide, whatever distribution. This is a niche yeah. product for collectors. Just make it only on Kickstarter, and that's that. It's like that. they saw themselves as a competitor with Sony, and it's like, no, dude, that's not your market. They were shooting for that, <laughs> and I think their best bet from a marketing perspective, as much as I know with marketing and how to release successful Kickstarters and all that – the best thing they could do is relaunch with a reasonable price, keep it small, do a small production of it, and if it sells well, and then they build a base to it and start getting games on it, then they do another Kickstarter and shoot for global distribution. 
once you already have your name out there, you already have reviews, you already have solid information in the bank that people can invest their money into it, you'll get your 7,000 backers at that point. Just going from blowing smoke up people's asses with nothing to show from it and not having a demo or even any unique games you know, announced for it and things like that, like he was just, it just didn't seem feasible. That's it. I mean, it's it's a very awesome product, and I still want one. It's just was not approached correctly. That, that's it. I mean, the thing is, though, is that they're taking it back to the drawing table, and hopefully they're going to look at it without rose-colored glasses on this time. Right. Well, I think the community just kicked the shit out of them. They, they kept beating them down. Um, and you know it's bad when they get to the point where they have to keep defending themselves and then they start bad-mouthing people like Pat and Ian on their podcast. I think podcast. they got to the point where they, they had no friends. There was no one. No one was in their corner. And the irony was the people that were in their corner, like our buddy Gamester, did an interview with them on the same day as ours, um, was supposed to be, but, uh, <laughs> but Gamester did the interview and kind of let Mike just lead the way and everybody was pissed off because Gamester was asking the questions, but Mike wasn't answering them. Right. Well, I, Mike definitely steamrolled him in that. Gamester was talking to a wall. It's like an hour long of that too. I, it was. A wall with an autoplay button. I don't know if I could deal with an hour and, of that shit. You know, the fact that the community knows that Gamester is vested in the product since Tiny Knight was going to be a launch title for it. What isn't Gamester vested in? That's Gamester's vested in everything. He's, he's so you can't like fault him. No, like, not at all. Yeah. And the thing is, is he's a great guy. Like he's yes, he it, loves yeah. gaming. That's like, it. Like yeah, that's I mean, that like seriously, the one thing I know from him from chatting with him is that he is passionate about you know this hobby. And the thing is, is that like he was trying to be impartial, but like Mike didn't do any, didn't answer anything that anybody wanted to hear. They wanted, and I yeah. don't think that the trolls online would have been happy with anything. No, no, lose, no lose that again. was you. No, yeah, you're fucked no matter what you do. Yeah, he was. They they were already spiraled out of the point where Mike had already like used up any goodwill he had. Yeah. There, no one was willing to listen anymore. It's almost to the point where even when they relaunch, there's going to be so many negative trolls that it would oh, it yeah. would almost be smarter to just have somebody else launch it. Come up with a, you know what, come up with a new name, come up with a new spokesperson. Something. I mean, don't lie and say this is not. They should, they should call it the not retro VGS and keep it in the same shell. <laughs> well, then it sounds like it ought to come bundled with porn. It should. <laughs> it would have sold. <laughs> would sell it it, it might that. sell more. Sex does sell, right? That's what they always say. But, uh, but no, like really though, they need to. They need to be a little more, a little less eager to post and a little more transparent. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. It, it sounds like an oxymoron, but... Because they were posting so much on social media, quote-unquote being open, that people were picking it apart once they, you know, told people that they were going to increase the price. They changed their minds, so it appeared to be very contradictory. Yes. So they need to be open about their processes, but not about some of the stuff that could possibly change in it. So if I said, oh, I'm going to do another book on game reviews, and then I announce the games, and then I change my mind and don't include those games, it's not going to look, it's going to look like, well, I wanted to get your book because that game was going to be in there. Now that's not in there. And, but they're doing that, but with like specs and prices. (laughs) And it was a lot bigger of a deal at that point. And, like, he almost needs to do, like, a documentary on this whole process. Like, he should have had a film crew filming him this whole time during this disaster that happened. Um, was that putting it mildly? They could have made all their money on just selling the documentary yeah. afterwards. The train wreck. And, well, and then they could have, <laughs> then they could have a coming-of-age story when they do the relaunch. Yes. That's their triumphant moment. And they could launch this concurrently with it and people could see that they were genuine in their intention because they've you know, they're just as passionate of this hobby as the rest of us. It's just that they, you know, got a little bit too overzealous with their product. I mean, that's it. They wanted everything in it and didn't realize that, hey, by 
driving up the product to three to four hundred dollars, you're going to isolate most of the casual backer market. Um, some of the collectors are still going to get it. They still did. They still made money. It's just that you needed seven thousand. You didn't need seventy backers. Like yeah. that price range, they would have got about under around a hundred backers with with a with a prototype and a demo and everything at that price range. Uh, you're looking for seven thousand. It needs to be half that price. It needs to be under two hundred bucks to be a binge purchase for people. And that's what he initially announced it as, and everybody was you know happy. That was a good price. That's something you can budget in. Be like, well, okay. Well, it's, it's like they're not familiar with Kickstarter, too, because all those bells and whistles, all I thought in my back of my head was stretch goals. But they are familiar with Kickstarter. This was like his third yeah. or fourth fucking it, it, Kickstarter. But it's, well, it, but it's, Indiegogo now, but... Yeah. Well, that, that's the same difference. I mean, yeah. That just contributed to the epicness of how badly that spiraled out of control. And no, but it's like they don't know what stretch goals were because here's the thing. Give us the bare bones $150, $200 model and budget in there that if it hits certain milestones, you add those pieces, those pieces that you want in there, you add them to there if the demand is there. Done. If we have the demand, guess what? We're going to put in all those cores. We're going to put in a Super Nintendo one, a Genesis one, a Nintendo one. We're going to put in the adapter support, whatever else they were announcing, all the other craziness. They just keep on adding it up. We'll upgrade this video RAM or whatever else they were doing. Like, put that in there when, you know, the backers actually They should put in a Virtual Boy slot. So you can play the red and black games on your TV. <laughs> put in a Virtual Boy slot. Shit. <laughs> Give them a Wonder Swan slot. Hell yeah, just go nuts. That would be tripped out, though, to play Virtual Boy on your TV. It would yeah. be. Oh, Game Gear. That's what needs it. There is no way to play oh. unless you got, like, a fan-made hack system. There's no way to play Game Gear on your TV short of emulation. And that's what everyone wants. They, they want the Eric Bishop special. Have you seen the Bishop Brothers special uh, Master yes. System game gear? That's what I was going to say. Doesn't it run off the yes. same deal? Mm-hmm. As a master system, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. the Game Gear offers more sound channels and colors. Okay, so there's a difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. there's a difference. There is. Well, you can play you can play Master System games on your Game Gear, but not the other way around because you need the additional. Yeah, so you essentially have to hack the yeah. board somehow and put the Game Gear board on the Master System board to get it to work or something like that. Or maybe they even just completely gut out the Master System and put in a Game Gear in there. Or something. But you throw that <laughs> in one of these, you know, bundled con- retro consoles. Mm-hmm. The Sega guys will line up for that shit. I would. Yeah, that would be pretty you awesome. Know? Well, and that was the irony was, is I think somebody might have mentioned something like that, you know, like compatibility things. And then they posted the whole, oh, we're going to have adapters for all the systems. And then people were like, what? Why are you adding all this craziness? And then the trolls like latched onto that because no matter what they did, they couldn't do right. Well, it was it was one of those things where they're trying to make everyone happy, and in the end, they made no one happy because they're overpromising. In in my opinion, like they should have just kept it cheap release newer games that people are developing on it and add the extra functionality if the backers, you know, make it happen. Um, and keep it small. That's the thing. Don't ask five, seven, five million dollars. Like, there's no reason no. for that. And that's a red flag to me, too, is when you see Kickstarters and the content creator, every time someone in the comments goes, it should do that thing, they're like, it will. Oh, like yeah. that's okay. Now you're just yeah. You're you're adding on way too much shit, dude. This can't possibly be feasible. <laughs> you know that that's mm, yeah. That's what they were doing exactly. It's it's craziness. The thing is, I'm likely going to go back to Kickstarter myself, but I'm only going to go back to Kickstarter when my current one is completely done. And since Slidog's still working on the game right now, they're posting a bunch of screenshots. By the way, so. I've been linking some of them nice. on the VGBS podcast page. Some of them have been linked. But, um, yeah, they've been posting tons yeah. and tons and That's tons. an expensive cart, by the way. Your Black Box Challenge. That is a pricey cart. Do, do you know what they're doing with this, though? No. <laughs> this is my ignorant opinion that it's a pricey cart. <laughs> this is going to be the first ever homebrew game that uses four-way scrolling. So it may not be compatible with some of the clone systems because it'll only be compatible with an actual NES. Um, it may work with some of the clone systems, but it might not work with all of them, like the Retrons and things like that. 
but because it has that, it's a specialized board. So that board costs more than other ones. And I've had homebrew people that are in the community say, oh, you can't do that. You can't have that big of a board. And like, uh, yeah, we can. Because <laughs> uh, you got to realize, like, he's has a full RPG in there. And in order to unlock all the abilities, you have to play the black box games on your TV in your house, essentially, like in the game. So there's mini games for every black box game. Oh, really? Yeah, like the sprites he's been posting, like he's posting tennis sprites and slalom sprites and Mario Brothers and Donkey Kong. I saw, yeah, I saw the screen where it would show like the TV and the game, but I mm-hmm. thought it was just like a little thing when you collected it. It was like a little animation that would pop up. No, you actually have to go back to your house and play it. And then you unlock an ability. Oh, wow. Okay, now that's cool. This is going to be like <laughs> a state-of-the-art, never-been-done-in-an-RPG-style game. Damn you. Quit selling me expensive it's, things. It's amazing. Um, and I'm sitting here watching, uh, they just posted on the forums that um, Swords and Ruins, the any the Nintendo Age edition is coming out tomorrow night. Oh, and, like, no price. limited edition. Like, where's, yeah, limited edition, <sighs> no price. Now. It's like. God damn no it. price. What's that mean? No, that means that it's. It gonna means be they an haven't option. told us the price. It's just here's the the product, and this is when it's going on sale. But no mention of how much it's going to cost. So when do they when do they normally mention it at the last minute or what? The guy who owns the rights to Swords and Ruins is the same guy that used to be a friend of mine that stopped talking to me because my Kickstarter got too popular. <laughs> oh really? It's that guy. And he used to hang out with me every week. Um, and annexed all of us that were part of that group. Um, we were all beta testers for the game, and we're not getting beta tester copies, and we're not listed as beta testers now. So I have no clue, but he does weird things like that where he will be ambiguous about obvious things like, hey, how much is the game? Oh, you'll find out. Ooh. <laughs> like... Well, that was, my, that was my, my reply to the thread. It's like, it's coming out. It's like, price man, how much? Just tell me how much I can expect to pay. Fork over the That's info. That's the same guy who uh, told me that it couldn't be done on a cartridge. Black box challenge. That, oh, it's too much money. You're charging too much for it. I'm like, um, we're right on budget. <laughs> and you know what the irony is, is that, you know how um, I posted about overhead. And I don't know if you realized it, but I posted very openly about that I have an overhead for the project. I went and shipped out the books. I actually have the last seven overseas ones going out tomorrow, and then my books will be all out. Um, people have been already getting them and reviewing them and <laughs> saying good things. But I charge $10 for overseas shipping for the hardcovers. It's a minimum of $26. Yeah, you mentioned. Per yeah. book. So that's like a, a huge like oversight. So I had people, a lot of people saved on shipping. Um, but really, like that's why I had that overhead budget because that was my first Kickstarter project. So my second Kickstarter project, the shipping will be fine. Um, I'm going to bring down the price of some of the items of the next book. Um, I don't know if I'm going to do a game with it, though, because that's a bit... Um, it was a bit crazy. If I do, it'll be something a little simpler. Maybe I'll have yeah. um, our artist Daria do some graphical hacks for me now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not that reliable. Uh, <laughs> I, I, just, I just want you guys to know it's, it's I am a, not a reliable it, person. It's a, it's a game. Uh, hey, you show up for the podcast <laughs> recordings. That's about all we need. <laughs> I actually was on the um, beta testing team for Swords and Runes 2, I think, for all of a month. Really? And I was like, you know what? I I don't have time for this. The, the, the irony was is that we beta tested it with him live. Like, it's like, how do we not? How are we not a beta? Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was the irony is is that we're, according to him, not beta testers. Or... Maybe, maybe I dodged a bullet there. And the thing is is that you know, I could, you know, try to make a big stink of it, but my give a shit meter is so low. Um, the game is pretty cool. It's unique. It's very minimalistic graphics. I like the game. The actual battle system's awesome. I like that. It's a little bit different. Yeah. It's and it's cryptic, so that is fun. It's just it's it's my kind of game. It's, it's cool. It's just that um, you know, I 
I'm not going to bring a stink because one guy's being a turd to a couple of his quote unquote friends that we thought it, he was a friend. Now he's kind of, you know, become too big for his britches. <laughs> and that's that's the guy who's distributing it, not the guy who programmed. That it. is the guy who is distributing it. So the guy gotcha. who you know did all designed the, it. Yeah. Yeah, I shouldn't say he programmed it, because he specifically said he didn't. He designed it. I mean, because it was to the so. point where he asked me what color of the LE I wanted. And then I'm not getting one. So, I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'm sorry. But if I do ever do a homebrew book, which is in my queue, I mean, games like that won't be in it. <laughs> it's like I have a sour taste in my mouth. Like, it's like, ah, well, I can't enjoy something if, um, you know, a guy shat on me. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, burn bridges, you know. I like the lore. Like, I loved how when you talk to people, they had... There's a lot of background that Mm -hmm. goes into that. And that's why the creator... The creator of the game is actually awesome. You know what I mean? It's just, just, you know... It's just... It's one of those things where I think we might have talked about it in one of our previous recordings with you on... Is that I kind of just don't like when people you hinted at it. Take you, over. Have, you hinted you're like there was somebody whose game, and I was trying to figure out like who the hell you're talking about. No, there's multiple. Like, only covered two games, but no, there, there's there's multiple people who um, do that in the community yeah. that buy the rights of games. Some of them do pretty cool things with them. Other ones, uh, you know, get a little little weird with it, and they're just trying to make money on LEs. And yeah, yeah, you know, and. I want with like my channel. I want to. I want to look at these games. I want to give them objective reviews. Mm-hmm. I really don't care about the, the drama. drama. The guy and exactly. I don't give a shit. I want to see the end product. I want to judge it as a game. Exactly, and that's the thing too. Is that like the drama behind that one is too personal for me, and that sucks because the game is actually pretty cool. That is unfortunate. Yeah. And I'm I'm sorry that they did that too. And that's shit. It happens. But yeah. as I said, like I'm not going to make a big stink about it on the forums or anything because it's stupid. It's fucking childish and I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, the, the community does seem to be populated with, with uh, a good, a fair number of man children. Yes. And, and I care enough to talk about it for about 10 minutes on the podcast. And yeah, that's about it. <laughs> and you know, those people aren't listening to the podcast anyway. No, cause they're too busy. Uh, thinking about how they're going to spike the price when they launch the game. Yeah, uh, let me refresh the page, see if he's answered me. Oh, he probably is just <laughs> going to have it as an auction, and it's going to another limited-style Mufasa throws down $500 auction. Thank you for listening to VGBS. We appreciate everybody taking the time to get through this whole uh, arduous podcast. We love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to correspond with us, you can email us at bgbspodcast at gmail.com. We also have a phone number. It is 262264BGBS. You can leave us a voicemail, shoot us a text message, um, whatever you want to do, correspond. Also, comment on us, shoot us a message on Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus. We love hearing what people um, think about the podcast. All right, see you later. Woo! Later. Later.